Welcome to the On-Premise IT Podcast, the only podcast that dares to be both on topic and on location. My name is Tom Hollingsworth and I'm a part of Gestalt IT and each episode we bring you the perspectives and opinions of a group of IT luminaries, experts in their field on a variety of enterprise IT topics. I'd like to take a moment for our panel to introduce themselves before we jump into the premise for today's episode, starting with Richard. Uh, Richard Kenyon. I've been in the IT community for about 25 years. I am currently an infrastructure engineer at our aerospace company, and I'm also a V-expert and VMUG leader. All right. Matt? Um, Matt Tyre. I'm also a 25-year veteran in IT, uh, expertise in data protection, cyber recovery. Uh, I run my own competitive intelligence company called uh, The Competitive Corner, and um, I'm excited to be here. I am Brian Knutson. I also will claim 25 years in IT. Um, and during that 25 years, I've done just a little bit of everything um, that goes from turning wrenches to marketing and product development. All right. Well, thank you all for joining us today. Let's jump into this episode with the premise. It's 2023. Lots of things have changed in IT. But one thing that hasn't changed is whether or not snapshots are backups and vice versa. No matter how much data protection changes, no matter how much it integrates into the wider IT space, people are still asking some very salt questions as far as our panel is concerned about whether or not these ephemeral um, backup solutions are really a good backup solution. And as soon as we kind of tossed this topic out, everyone kind of rolled their eyes and said, why are we still talking about this? So once more with feeling, <laughs> Snapshots are not backups. They're not backups. They're not backups. Who wants to jump in and, and tell the people at home why snapshots are not backups? Well, maybe I'll start with why it, we're talking about it again. And I think uh, a lot of it comes from the fact that with multi-cloud and cloud-native uh, data protection, the concept of snapshotting your data, you know, doing driving data protection through the cloud-native sna snapshot uh, APIs and apparatus. Uh, has kind of brought it back to the forefront, that age-old argument of, is a snapshot enough for backups? And I think uh, I think you had a good point in terms of the enough part. Yeah, yeah. to me, I, I, I don't even like this topic, not because we keep <laughs> having it, but because it's the wrong conversation in the first place. Like, we need, to, we need to stop defining it hard and fast and say, you have to have backups. It doesn't matter about anything else, you have to do backups. Mm -hmm. What is the purpose of the backup? What What is the need? What are you trying to protect from? How long are you trying to protect it? Like, understanding what you need. Maybe a snapshot is enough. Maybe, because quite frankly, I've done a lot of upgrades on VMs. I take a snapshot. And guess what I might have to do? I might have to back up to it. Good enough for that use case. Or, or it's called rollback and not a backup, which might be where you're getting confused. Because in the VMware space, snapshots are not backups. You should not rely on them for months and months at a time to do data retention or rolling back to that specific point in time. They were designed to be temporary. But unfortunately, in IT, the most permanent solution tends to be the temporary one. But but you just redefined what I defined. Yes, because so don't, don't say this is the point. I'm backing up to something when it Actually, you're not because if but you're, I am. But you're not restoring to a point in time. But I'm going back to it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I think what uh, maybe semantics, we'll center it a little bit at is. This point. <laughs> I think we'll center it a little bit is is I think what kind of brokered the whole original conversation many moons ago was the instability or you know the um, 
the issues with only having a snapshot. You know, there's resilience issues. Uh, there was always problems because they were linked to the original array. They, were, they weren't portable. You know, what, what do I do if I'm in a heterogeneous environment? Yeah. And or I think lose, that lose very much applies yeah. to the multi-cloud, the hybrid environment where, hey, I'm going to do a snapshot in Azure and my failover plan is GCP. I mean, like, yeah. you know, you don't really have those options. So mm -hmm. I think it's a good tool. But that's kind of where this topic comes back up again is like, well, what else are you doing? And then there's a whole like TCO and cost side and security side, all these other things. It's like we've gone back to square one because the problems that we thought we had solved in the data center are now showing up again <laughs> in the cloud. Yeah. yeah, we can think of snapshots as tier zero where they're absolutely good to have. They're a fantastic tool for a multitude of reasons. But if you start relying on just that technology long term, regardless if we're talking about the VMware stack or any other multi-cloud stack or even internal storage or external storage, mm -hmm. if you simply rely on snapshots as your primary source of data retention, it's going to be a bad day. But if it's for temporary or short-term solutions or you use that as part of an automated process to get to your full snapshot, excuse me, until you get to your <laughs> But every backup is a snapshot. It's a point it, in time. It is a point in time. It's a snapshot. And in, in this context, I also Touché. like to think about the, the 3 to one rule or mm -hmm. you know, throw, one, one. throw whatever ones and zeros after that you want. Mm -hmm. But it kind of comes down to you know no one single snapshot backup point in time of data is ever going to be enough. And to your point, Richard, having those different points for mm -hmm. those different needs is the key. And so understanding, okay, if I want three different versions of it, cool, I can do that. I've got, you know, maybe snapshot is a part of that. Mm -hmm. If I need to have one of those off-site, now I'm going to have to get to that portability piece that you mentioned. Um, I need to get it somewhere else. Do I want to restore it somewhere? Well, I've got to put that in place. Like you've got to define what your data needs are in those regards define what disasters you're trying to deal with, figure out what your blast radius is, because mm -hmm. maybe a snapshot is good enough because you don't care if the array goes away. You don't want to recover that data if the array goes away. I, I don't know what use case that would be, <laughs> but it potentially exists out there. Well, let me throw this monkey wrench in here because this sure. is something that we've been dealing with for quite a while. I, I can remember even back when I did this for a living as a, as a VAR engineer, we talked about you know why you needed to make sure that you weren't just doing incremental backups all the time. You needed to make sure that you had some kind of a way to follow like a three, two, one grandfather, father, son rule or something like that. But we live in a world now where people care less about the actual platform that we're running things on, whether it's serverless, it's Lambda, it's Kubernetes, some kind of a container solution. I don't care if the OS goes away at the end of the day because that thing is only supposed to live for a certain amount of time and then poof, disappear. All I care about is the results that are returned. The problem is, is that those of us who have been doing this for a while, we understand the value of the data that's being returned and why it's so important. People who don't know why that's you know, something super critical are going to treat it just like a container. It's like, I don't care if those results got blown away because <laughs> I can just rerun the test. But can you? And I think that maybe that's that it, we need to discuss that a little bit. Yeah. Is part of this reason why we're re-arguing, re-litigating this all over again years later because the way that technology has shifted, it's treating data as ephemeral now, and I don't care if it goes away. I, I, I mean, you basically described one of the use cases I was going to provide as an example, you know, that where the data is transient, but it may take you know, 30 days of some kind of heavy processing job to actually generate that data. So maybe the end result is, like you said, uh, you know, I, can, I could always generate it again, but then you have to look at the other loss you know, in terms of time, effort, mm -hmm. and 
you know, perhaps it was a one, you know, a one-time thing where it's like we don't have the same parameters to, to be able to regenerate that data. You know, maybe it was based off of you know, I don't know, other transient yeah. factors kind of thing. So, come, come so to in. your point, you know, being able to just wantonly say, yeah, we don't, we we can get it back. You know. Yeah, coming up from a storage administration uh, uh, background and then an operation background, I, I have a dual mind about this, is I tend to never want to delete things, but when requests come in for a variety of different uh, certifications for uh, HIPAA and SOX and, you know, take your pick, they're like, delete this, and I'm like, you sure? Because you can't get it back. And so then I will back it up in three different ways, in, in three different places, delete it, document it, close it, and then wait. Because I've been in situations where people are like, can you get that back? I'm like, no. And they're like, well, we really need you to. I'm like, okay, but I can this one time. Why? Because I did it. Versus they wanted to think that their data was transient. Where they're like, we don't need that. We said you could delete it. Mm. Well, if you deleted it, it's gone. So yeah. I want to come back to that point in just a minute, but I want to give Brian a chance to weigh in here because you brought up an, a fascinating possibility that could, could yeah. derail this whole conversation. <laughs> no, and, and that really, I mean, it comes down to data governance. It's about understanding your data, understanding the importance, documenting it, um, making sure that you've got the proper protections in place, and, and understanding your regulations and where it should be deleted and where you know storing data isn't free. And being consistent with it, too. And, and being consistent with it and auditing it and yada, yada, all these things that we don't want to talk about as, as IT people yep. because they're rules and regulations and they don't have to do with technology we don't care, but we're, we're all business analysts at some level. We have to understand that, and, and especially if you're a guardian of the data, that's got to be a core part of what you're doing. Yep. And, and just quick to jump in, the longer you keep data, in my opinion, the harder it is to manage from an oh, IT absolutely. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And the more of a liability it becomes. Yeah, because then you're doing so many things as part of your job description to maintain that data that nobody is ever going to look at yep. again, but it has to be there. And not only that, but one of the things that we're starting to see at a much higher level is people who don't understand the technical challenges of these particular situations setting policy that is not realistic. Brian, you bring it up, and it's a very interesting, important point that people at home need to understand. It, does, if there is a non-zero cost to storing things, mm -hmm. whether they're stored physically on paper, whether they're stored on magnetic media like tape, whether they're stored in the cloud, it costs something to do that. Mm -hmm. But yet it could be a regulatory issue where someone says, oh, this law office needs to keep 15 years of client communications. Or the reverse is true in a situation like in healthcare, you must delete these patient records after X amount of time right. and prove that it was deleted from all sources in order to reduce your liability. And we have seen situations in the past where, well, uh, you know, going all the way back to Toy Story 2, where all of the files for Toy Story 2 were yep. wiped Great off example. of the mainframe, Great and it example. just so happened that someone had backed it up to a laptop to do some work at home, and that's the only reason that the movie was ever released. But what if the situation is reversed, where someone did make a copy, like you said, and it was being stored on a hard drive in my office, and suddenly there is a discovery, a legal discovery issue, mm -hmm. and they've subpoenaed every drive in the office to find all mm -hmm. of the stuff, oh, those files should have been deleted a long time ago, yep. and now all of a sudden we've opened ourselves up to liability. Is it the fault of the company because the company requested that the data be deleted? Is it your fault for keeping the backups? Is it 
just good policy to have an extra spare copy somewhere? And how do we work around that with business policy versus technology challenges? Yeah, yeah. My, my reaction when Richard said that he made extra copies of it was exactly that. It yeah. was kind of making me twitchy like, oh my Don't goodness, that. <laughs> that could be a problem. Keep, keep in mind, uh, my environments that I have done that in were not regulatory. Yeah. Right, exactly. right, yeah, right. How it was more operational corporate use and things like that, just for the video that I'm clarifying. <laughs> but keep in mind, for the record. That, that, is, that is my experiences at working mm -hmm. in operations and then having a storage background, it was, if you delete it, it's gone. Yeah. And then users are coming to me going, well, I really didn't want to delete that, but I'm like, then don't put in the request. Mm. I, I'm trying to help you not hurt yourself and you're making that difficult. But for instances such as government and healthcare and things like that, you can't. Once the request comes in, I have to follow a process and go, goodbye. Well, and this is where the governance, now kind of to circle it back to the original premise, this is where the governance extends into the, mm -hmm. all those different yeah. copies. And yep. with the ease with which you can just generate copies of that data in the cloud or yep. you know on a, um, uh, a storage array, you know, if they're done outside of kind of the purview of IT or any constructed policies, you know, who owns that governance yeah. kind of thing. You know? And I think one of the challenges, because I'm, I'm rewinding all the way back to the days when I used to work on VMware, which was a while back. And, <laughs> Tell and us the version. Five-ish something. Oh. Um, but one of the problems we ran into was people did not know better because they just assumed that yeah. taking a snapshot of the VM was quote unquote backing it up, not realizing that it effectively forked everything as you go down. And, and everyone watching this podcast, I'm sure if you've worked with any kind of virtualization platform, has a story about yep. that one user who had you know 48 snapshots down in a chain and you were hovering over the quiesce button just <laughs> hoping that something didn't break. Mm. Could that be solved by a governance thing where we say mm -hmm. all snapshots must be quiesced no more than one week after they're created mm -hmm. to confirm that we're not kind of floating on this island? Could that not be written into part of the data protection policy mm -hmm. that then expands to say, if you are going to do X, you may use a snapshot for Y, but for long-term retention, it must be written to this specific kind of media and stored in this location. Because I also know a lot of backup admins who just have tapes in their car. Now, granted, that was years ago. Yeah. But they just happen to have it in their car in case something goes wrong, unless it gets too hot and the tapes melt or something like that. So yeah, we, should, we, should we be focusing more on creating non-technical solutions that challenge our technical capabilities to make sure that we are in a position where we can restore data in the case of failure. Operations for IT, depending on if it's client-facing or internal-facing, work better when it's governance by policy. And if we can write a script that solves that problem, then it's repeatable, it's expandable, it's scalable, you can do lots of things with it, and it's according to the policy that's there. So then if you have your users complaining, well, this is too stringent, mm -hmm. well, I'm just following the policy. Let's take this up a level to see if there's some flexibility here. The problem I've seen in non-regulated environments is nobody wants to be the the trigger person that mm. makes the decision on this shall be the policy. Yeah. In, in in regulated environments or uh, uh, industries, it's it's easy because it's like there are laws. You know, who's going to get sued? You you, you yeah. can align your policy to the law. It says, and you know, and if somebody points at you and says, "Hey, you can't do it," it's like, well, yeah, the law is there. But even more, I mean, equally important is is the IT piece of it. We need to make sure that the systems will support and keep us on the right track. Um, you know, if any any kind of monitoring solution that you would that you would seriously consider for VMware these days has that alert that you can turn on that says this snapshot is over X days old or X hours old, in order to allow everybody to get that alert to say, hey, you forgot to turn that off. 
because of this. We know this is a problem. We can create systems that not only do, do it passively and alert us, mm. but also actively and say, no, you can't do that. Or um, when we talk about, um, one thing we haven't talked about is the, the immutability piece of, piece of the puzzle that has mm -hmm. been huge lately. Mm -hmm. That's a huge part of this puzzle and you know, it's design and I, that's another premise potentially for us to talk about someday is how immutable is immutable really <laughs> is the fact that you, know, you can't do anything with it. You can't touch it. It stays exactly that way for as long as it's defined, and then it can automatically be deleted. So but, it's, it, obviously that would be a really great premise of how immutable is immutable, <laughs> but maybe you should let the audience at home know, why have we created a situation where we have backups that can never be changed? Yeah, I mean, that kind of comes down to ransomware more than anything else. Ransomware has driven that more than anything, which is sometimes losing your data isn't the worst thing that could happen. Um, sometimes data being manipulated and you not being aware of it is the worst thing that can happen, especially when we're talking about some of these highly regulated industries. Mm -hmm. um, so ransomware is one because they'll encrypt your data and you still have it, but you just can't access it. The other one that scares me more is that silent modification and you can't tell that something has changed. That freaks me out when we, yeah. when we think about it that way. Yeah, and and, so, you know, and we kind of talked about it at the beginning, you know, in terms of you know the security around the snapshots themselves. So you know, is it is it immutable? Who can access them? Especially you know when it's a, a cloud native one, when you know the may or may not have other cybersecurity policies wrapped around it. Mm -hmm. You know, and as you said, the it, those are now the primary target for most of the cyber. Uh, Cyber villains out there. <laughs> Cyber <laughs> villains. Yeah. Uh, but um, you know, so how do you protect those things when they're supposed to be ephemeral? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then how long do you do that for? If you accidentally set your immutability to seven years, well, it can't be deleted, yep. changed, touched, modified, looked at for seven years. Which means if you have a larger backup that is running, 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 you now have seven years, seven years, seven years, seven years, mm -hmm. which now leads back to cost. Yep. We have to now pay for that because there's an intrinsic cost for going that long. Yeah, and Absolutely. not only that, but one of, the, one of the more insidious things that one of our friends, Thomas Bryant, told me about today was the fact that people will break into your system, they'll get into the, the data protection, and they'll turn the retention period to one day. And mm -hmm. they will let it run for a couple of days to yep. purge all of your good backups, mm -hmm. quoting fingers, and then they will encrypt all of your data. Mm -hmm. And they won't do anything for a couple more days so that the only Absolutely. things that you have are the bad copies, and you didn't know because who checks to make sure their retention period <laughs> is still valid? By the way, their solution at least alerts you when the retention period changes, which I think is one of those things that, you know, in the old days, we wrote that down in a book. And the book had four inches of dust on it, but that was our DR plan. And it was printed out because what happens when the systems go down? But I think we've kind of gotten away from that because, well, the cloud fixes all of my problems. I'll just copy all of my data into the cloud and I won't have anything to worry about. Um, has anybody in there ever tried to get data out of Glacier? <laughs> it's yeah. like getting blood out of a turnip, although I will give you better odds on the turnip. So <laughs> There's a reason it's called Glacier. <laughs> yeah. ha has this conversation changed because people fundamentally don't understand how data protection is supposed to work? So you, you hit on a number of things. You've kind of touched on this, and I've been trying to find the right <laughs> spot to bring it up. Go for it. I had a great conversation with another analyst uh, at an event such like this, uh, and he brought up just the ease with which you can access cloud and you know containers and run like these um, multi-layered hybrid environments and stuff like that. The ease with which uh, it can be done 
people don't need to necessarily know the fundamentals. Like, mm -hmm. like the, the problems that are cropping up are, like I said before, problems that were solved before in the data center, but because it's so easy to just go, oh, I'm going to stand up this thing in the cloud, I'm going to throw it up there. Yeah, I can't, They're not I thinking can't believe about said governance so. or cost or you know all the things we'd figured out then. They're like, we're relearning all the things that we had already learned, but now it's with cloud. Well, yeah. and part of that problem is the, the shadow IT that led to cloud initially for most companies is, we're going to go off and we're going to do our own thing, and therefore they're going to ignore all those policies. They're working outside of the governance that we've we've defined, and we're having to undo that, actively undo that now, while at the same time having everything get much tighter, much more well-defined because of the cybersecurity threats these yeah. days. As, as the multi-cloud environment has gotten more and more complex, it's, it's funny you mentioned fundamentals because I had been thinking here, sitting, going, we keep talking about the basics. We mm -hmm. talk about the basics of networking and firewalls and don't put your vCenters and ESXOs up on the internet or any other system and make sure your backups are set up and you have a DR plan. And these are all relatively speaking, the basics of an IT department functioning correctly. Mm -hmm. All the complex stuff about containers and machine learning and graphics analytics and you know all these oil reports that are coming out and all the cool, fun tech stuff that we do, we still keep missing on the basics and we've just moved that from on-premises to the cloud. Mm -hmm. It's because the basics don't sell, because the yeah. basics are boring. And yet, <laughs> how many times do we have to come back and tell people, Snapshots, Snapshots aren't backups. backups. <laughs> but, but, but I, so I missed my cue on that. <laughs> it's fine. We, we can chant it at the end of the episode. I, I guess maybe the question that I have now for three of the experts in the room is, how do we keep from having this argument again? What We don't need a third part of this trilogy that snapshots are not backups. How do we get people out there to understand that? We stop saying snapshots are not backups when we talk about the proper governance of data. Yeah. I like not talking about it. That works. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, uh, talking about it as part of a bigger policy. You know, in terms of, like you said, you know, we we don't back up just for the sake of it. It's part of a recovery strategy. It's part of a cyber resilience strategy. So it's like, what do we need to achieve this recovery profile? And if snapshots are a part of it, great. If they aren't, so be it. If replication is good, you know, good. But each data set is going to have its own needs. Mm -hmm. So we need to approach it strategically instead of tactically. Yep, and uh, actually approaching it tactically is not a bad way to do it either because you're talking about scale of company that True. have those uh, people in those positions that can do those policies for maybe larger companies, you know, uh, 5,000, 10,000 employees. When you have small business, they have maybe a stack or two of servers that might run uh, VMware or another hypervisor mm -hmm. uh, platform, or they could be all SaaS-based. And those SaaS companies need to do a better job of letting their smaller customers know that don't have the you know IT uh, technical expertise in house. Hey, here's our backup solution, and here's how it differs from what you see in your GUI as a snapshot. You know, things like that can greatly improve why we keep having this discussion over and over again. And you're starting to see uh, some of the vendors uh, get aware of some of those problems where like I've seen a couple of them kind of uh, launching these build your own SaaS backup mm -hmm. you know with the SDKs that plug into their their cloud and, and stuff like that so you know I think they're getting wise to the fact that there's you know the big SaaS apps that we've been using and then there's the 300 you know a yeah, thousand other ones out there that have yeah. zero protection at all, and they're saying, you know what, those are still important to people's business, but mm. I'm not going to build the backup for them. You yeah. know, here are the tools, go do it. Yeah, and I think that that kind of comes together where we as an industry just need to be better about s saying hardline things like, this is a snapshot, and this is a backup, and they're two different things. 
but so many of those similarities exist. There's, you know, in most uses of the word snapshot and most uses of the word backup, they're 95% the same thing. It's just the backup tends to be off the system as opposed to on the system. Right. And that's just a blast radius difference at that point. And so if we can get to that point where the GUIs start being more about, okay, here's a function that you can do that will do X, Y, and Z. It does these things or it gives you this level of protection. Maybe it has a warning on it that says, you know, this, this won't protect you from the array going down. This won't protect you from the VM, core VM getting re, um, corrupted or whatever that might be so that we can better define what those policies need to be and how they can fit. So kind of uh, shifting towards these SaaS overlay platforms that can work in multi-cloud, multi, uh, or heterogeneous multi-vendor environments, yeah. you know, because I don't, I don't foresee any one vendor saying, hey, I'm going to manage all your stuff and everyone being okay well, with Well, that's it. because all the SDKs and the APIs are different. So if now we're back into the deep technical discussion of if right. all of these different hundreds of thousands of SaaS applications across the world that keep these companies running, small and large, if there was just some framework that was just backup, then other vendors who are backing things up can come in and sell the product to fit that need. A universal translator a un for backup. <laughs> Seriously, that, that would solve a good majority of the discussion we've been having where if you can do the products that do that, there you go. Yep, oh, that, that'd be great. As you can see, this is a charged conversation that we're having once more, but the key is to understand not what you're doing, but what you're trying to accomplish. Look at what you're trying to do with the data. Are you just trying to create an ephemeral copy that you're going to get rid of later because you want to make sure you didn't make a mistake? Or are you trying to do something that re requires long-term retention, either for regulatory or for legal issues, or honestly, because you're worried that someone's going to violate the security of data that's just lying around? When we talk about going back to the fundamentals, we don't talk about re-litigating what something does and why this is different than that. We need to fundamentally understand what we're trying to accomplish, whether it's on-prem or in the cloud, whether it's a container or a VM or a bare metal server, whether it's an application, or it just happens to be some API data that we care about. Once you can answer those questions and make sure that you are in compliance with any rules or regulations that you may be subject to by somebody else, or quite honestly, if you don't have any rules internally, you probably need to create them. You'll have a better idea of what you're actually trying to accomplish, and then you can go out and search for those um, characteristics instead of just searching for backup versus snapshot. Mm -hmm. And maybe you can preserve the next generation of IT experts from having to do this all over again because we need to talk about bigger and better things. <laughs> <laughs> and if we don't, we'll just take a copy of this video and put it out again, almost like we're restoring from yet another backup. Oh. Oh. So that will just about do it for this episode of the On-Premise <laughs> IT Podcast. Thank you very much for tuning in. You can always check out the latest episode on our website, gestaltit.com slash podcast. We have a new episode every couple of weeks. You can follow us on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash video. Or if you'd prefer to listen to us in the audio format, make sure you fire up your favorite podcast application and search for On-Premise IT Podcast. We'll be back with another great episode about enterprise IT very soon. But until then, thank you very much for tuning in. Take care, and we will talk to you soon. <laughs>